I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. I'm your humble host, Amrit Sandhu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself. To keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself, do us a solid, subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back, relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired. Keep evolving. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. And it is... going to be a treat for you guys, but it's an extra special treat for me today. I've got with us my dear brother, Miroslav Petrovic. Miroslav, how are you, brother? I'm good, bro. Pleasure to be back here again. Beautiful to see you, Faye. Man, it is so good to have you back. For those tuning into Miroslav for the first time, 
There's another podcast in Inspired Evolution. Please do go check it out. He's got over 10 years' experience empowering individuals and connecting teams. He delivers professional keynotes and presentations and regularly blows the minds of audiences. It's And I would say actually regularly blowing the minds, I would say blowing the hearts wide open mm. of audiences is probably what I would say, and that's where I initially first met him. He now helps other people master this skill as a yeah communication expert and, uh, yeah, helping people connect to their voice and their empowerment that comes through all of that. So owning the stage of communication is really what Miroslav's all about. Dude, it is, yeah, just watching how much work has been just evolving for you and just how things are just grown and grown and grown and grown. It's definitely about time we had another chat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to touch base because communication has become this massive thing and you're becoming a very well-renowned public speaker. Now, I wanted to sort of touch on base on you know, start from giving some context because I find with the Inspired Evolution, oftentimes I find masters of a certain craft have put a lot of time and effort into mastering, like into developing that craft. And generally that sort of dedication, you can call it that, but also drive or I'd like to call it spirit to do that. Mm. Usually comes from a bit of a wounded place, I found. Yeah. And uh, knowing you intimately, I can sort of poke and prod in places that I normally wouldn't. But tell us a little bit about how you go from, you know, growing up stuttering to being maestro communication. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's a a great question. Um, And I like how you've been doing this long enough to know, like, the patterns that come for your guests. I mean, how is how it like to if I was to kind of dilute the story a bit for me, probably all started with meditation. When mm-hmm. I first started meditating, um, you know, I'd been very I was like the most introverted person in school. I'm not going to dive too deeply into that story. But meditation gave me this taste of like, oh, wow, this is possible. Like mm-hmm. a different feeling inside me is possible than the social anxiety I've been living inside. Mm-hmm. And then I started asking the question, how how can I have this feeling? But, you know, not be sitting there with my eyes closed. And really quickly, like what kept coming up internally, but also teachers just saying to me, was like, you need to start teaching. Mm. Um, I still remember like the, the very first moment I was doing this workshop and um, we got given an exercise to do and everyone else partnered up really quickly. And me being so socially awkward, I just kind of sat there as usually happened. I was used to this. It was still awkward, but it's what always happened. I had no partner. And the guy that was instructing us came up to me and he's like, oh, you, you come and work with me. And I sat down in front of him and I took him through this exercise. And I still remember he was sitting on this little armchair and he had these glasses. And as I took him through the exercise, he kind of stopped and he pulled his glasses down to the tip of his nose and he looked at me and he goes, you're a teacher. Like you're going to be speaking and taking this stuff to the world. Yeah. And, you know, I was like a shy, quiet, introverted, like 18 year old boy or something at the time. Mm. So, And so tell us a little bit about just some of the challenges you faced early on with like, what was it like feel, what did it feel like for you when you were stuttering and not being able to communicate, like the social sort of challenges that came with that, you you touched on it. Hmm. So let, I'm going to throw in like a, another layer here. Sometimes these like rags to riches stories, it's like, that's what used to happen. This is what it's like now. When I speak Serbian, which is my mother tongue, I still stutter. So, you know, I have like, it's like in English, I found this sense of like a, a very easy level of communication when I slip into my mother tongue, it's like, oh, whatever was causing the stuttering is still living in that language. Mm. Um, it's like what happens is like, it's like going from zero to a hundred very quickly. So yeah. it's like my breathing gets short. 
um, if it's intense, like I can feel my heart pounding. And it's like the breath isn't actually getting in. There's a lot of racing, self-judgmental thoughts. This is like after years of of having awareness before it just used to happen. And I'd be like, I'm stuck. I don't med- know what's going on. And the meditation practice you were alluding to, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even now, like I recently just spent um, a couple of months back in Serbia and I was able to apply a lot of this stuff I've done over the past 10 years to really loosen up and find my voice in my own culture. But it was just this experience of like, all right, this thing I've spent the last 10 years working for in English. Now here's, here's round two. Go do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I know you. Some part of you relishes those challenges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you talk about loosening up. So before we get into some of the, like, and, you know, some of the masterclassing of, you know, getting into public speaking and how to actually own the stage of communication, that it blows my mind that, yeah, our biggest fear collectively, and I'm not sure if this is scientifically researched, but it's, you hear it spread around a lot, is the biggest fear is public speaking. People would rather be, you know, that old Jerry Seinfeld joke, which he was like, people would rather be giving the eulogy than be, like, rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy, right? Like they're more afraid of public speaking than they are of dying. Like what do you think is really underpinning that, bro? I don't think it's speaking. I think it's being seen. And I've, there's a few reasons why I say that. Um, I think it's being seen and I think it's like letting our innocence, our magic, our childlike nature out into the world. And when we're on stage, it's like you can't hide. When there's a hundred eyes on you, it's like all parts of you are, are going to be seen. And I think the way that we've dealt with that in previous um, generations or the schooling around it was to armor up you know to protect ourselves and not let anyone else in by being very rehearsed and very memorized it's mm. like if you know your shit you're not going to flounder and no one's, no one's going to see the real you they're just going to see what you're presenting to them um and and for me the stage has really been the complete opposite it's like how much of myself can i not hide and can i just let be seen which it's kind of like it's terrifying but it's liberating at the same time <laughs> yeah digs into a deep part of vulnerability because, and there's an interesting thing like what you alluded to is being seen is this really interesting superpower that we have, but is also, like you said, one of our biggest fears, like in organizations, we often find we need to, I find people trying to fit in more and more, more and more, more and more to sort of be accepted within the status quo. But then contrarianly, it's also their, individuality that makes them unique to the organization that makes them valuable right Mm, yeah i I feel like there's something like when i link stuttering and the piece you're speaking to now like for me stuttering is basically a very intense fear of what people will think of me so much so that i'm willing to cut myself off and not speak instead of facing judgment from the outside wow and like the pain in there is that i don't actually get to be myself like people are going to judge some version of me that's very contrived and I don't even get the chance to show them who I am because I'm cutting myself off. And for me and maybe for other people to stutter, that's like, you know, it's an extreme version of what most of the world is going through anyway. Like that sense of I'm going to do what I need to fit in as opposed to being myself is just like a more diluted version of that where someone has more choice around the, the way they're showing up or being seen. 
I'm going to love to ask, ask you the question about cultivating that space to respond, but I, what dropped in for me is that old, you know, like self-judgment is this really rampant thing. Yeah, I, uh, I still remember watching uh, one of Jay Shetty's videos and he talks about um, that quote, that which is not his quote, but he got it from somewhere, which was, I'm not what I think I am. Yeah. I am. I, I think I am what I think you think I am, <laughs> you know, so it's like I'm lost in this like projection of like, I wonder what they're thinking of me. And that constructs my thoughts of who I think I am rather than even just thinking who I am, let alone just, you know, obviously the power of presence, just being. <laughs> we just like taking things on like probably the whole foundation, of course, <laughs> just in there. But do you know what I mean? Like there's this whole, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling into what you're sharing there in terms of, yeah, the amount of judgment that we're afraid of. Um, of others as well. And, I'm, yeah, it was really profound for me, you unlocking that, yeah, potentially the, the stutter is based on, or stuttering for people that struggle with that is you're judging yourself before you even give other people the opportunity to judge you and you cut yourself off. Um, yeah, man, that's that's really incredible. So from that point then, how do you, like, what, uh, for yourself, obviously self-awareness was a big part of, the journey. Obviously, you now you know microdose this into a into a course. You've got an incredible book called "Give Them Goosebumps." Um, how do we start to loosen up? How do we start to work with this the, potentially the fear of being seen and actually communicating ideas? Yeah, that's that's a big question. I feel like firstly, it it depends on where you're starting from. Yeah. So, you know, there was a guy I worked with recently, twenty years in the speaking industry. Um, probably has obviously has more experience than me of being, being on stage mm. and having a call. And he's like, you know, look, logically, when I jumped on this call, I thought there's not much you're going to be able to teach me. I'm super comfortable on stage. When mm. we got into talking, he's like, my intuition's just firing on all cylinders. He's like, whatever you're giving to me, I don't have. And we jumped in and the second session we did, we dived into this part he was holding back from the world. And it was like a deeply personal part, the part of his life he'd held close to himself and it was basically his relationship to his spirituality. And he just started owning this. He redid his website. He made this part that he was hiding. He put that on the forefront of his brand. And he like, God, I think it was something like 160,000 pounds over nine months. And he was struggling with leads before that. And I'm like, that's that power of, of alignment of actually finding like, oh, wow, this is what I'm here for. And I'm willing to be seen for what I'm here for, as opposed to what's every other coach and every other marketer doing. And how do I fit into the marketplace? Now, what that's going to be is different for all of us. You know, we're all walking mm. different paths. So people don't mind wearing that at, at the front, but it's like if that path is be, has been seen, where where's that current of life taking us deeper? Like where there's a want to meet us in our own body and life that we didn't have to allow for it to come forth. So I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And then you've got alignment and you've got your, you know, your spiritual alignment. It's kind of, well, you've got alignment as, a, as what you're sharing there the role of the voice, the role of communication within alignment, like a lot of people, like you said, he would have been aligned to his spiritual values. Why was it so important to communicate his spiritual values? Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. The voice doesn't lie. And we, we know this, we say, oh, 90 something percent of communication is nonverbal. But it's like when you put something into words, you can hear whether it's true or not. And sometimes with my partner, I'll just say, I just need to voice this so I can hear if it's true because I can pick up the nuances in my own voice when, when something's out of alignment and like when we're putting something into the world like that link between the the inner world our thoughts mm. and emotions what's going on in here and the mm. outer world how we show up and how we affect people around us happens through the voice 
it's like, am I willing to make a stand and communicate what's actually really happening on here and judge the real parts of me, uh, allow mm. the real parts of me to be judged? Or, you know, do I just want to coexist and, and be safe and seemingly happy, happy, but maybe unfulfilled? I don't know if that's answering what you're saying, but yeah, no, it's, 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 in, it's, in, it's intriguing this whole, yeah, just the role that the voice has to play and the communication plays in facilitating connection fundamentally. Um, yeah, it just blows me away for me consistently. I think the better I get at communicating, the better I get at connecting and communication is such a nebulous gold mine. <laughs> like, there's just so much in there. Like it's one word that encompasses so much. Like you said, there's body language, there's your voice, you know, there's so much in there. What do you, what is your brand saying to people potentially even it's like, that's, you know, like that's your business even that's not even your personal, you know, in, in many ways. Um, and then connection obviously is what, well, for the, obviously, but for those tuning in, like is one of my highest values, what is my highest value. Um, and so I find, yeah, I'm always, you know, doubling down on connection, connection. It's like the more I master the ability to communicate. Left field tangent sort of question. Um, and this is me speaking from a little bit of my public speaking experience. The role of listening, bro. The role of listening, because we're talking about communication. Oftentimes I find those tuning into speaking and public speaking or even those running to do courses, uh, running away to do courses to better their master, like mastering their skill of communication, are looking for tips on like, okay, so, you know, body language, posture, you know, and then, okay, how do I enunciate my words? Where do I pause? Where do I breathe? Um, what's the, like, can you tell us a little bit about your awareness on listening and potentially I can share a little bit about mine as well? Mm. Yeah, I, I would say it's funny. This is coming up before we jumped in this call. I'm like, there's a big... Um, let's say misunderstanding is the word I would use mm. in how we relate to the body and all of those things you just said for me, that's a very uh, objectified way of using and utilizing the body. It's like, Oh, we'll mm. change your pitch We're we're going to get you to pull your shoulders back and lift your chin up. Mm. And it's like, we're using the body. Like it's a, like, I don't know, like it's a bottle. Like you want to mm. tie that, you tighten this as opposed to recognizing the body is communication and it's always communicating whether you're aware of it or not. Yeah. And instead of like us manipulating the body to communicate, can we be more in relationship with how it is communicating? Mm. Let's what's your body doing when you're not even aware of, because that's the effect you're having on the audience. And that's the, when you were speaking about connection, I'm like hundred percent right in there with you. Mm. It's like whether you're creating or connection or not is 80 or 90% based on what your body's doing that you're unaware of. Mm. And I find for me, when I'm working with people on their public speaking, it's not so much about, let's perfect this. It's like, let's just have more awareness and presence of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like if you let your shoulders drop and I don't mean by forcing them down and having them be big, if you have the safety to let that part of you open up, what happens to the audience? And the audience often responds like, wow, we just feel so much closer to them. It's more about like, how do we calibrate safety with the audience mm -hmm. to allow for connection to happen as opposed to what things do I need to manipulate on my body to create this type of connection, to get this type of outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, curious about your your words as well. Yeah, I would just reflect on what you said and I'll show you my thoughts. So thank you so much for sharing that. It's profound because one of my dearest friends, um, he's a DJ, Mickey Space, and he um he he uh he's a yoga teacher as well. So he does this really trippy. I you know him intimately. You've uh, you've uh, you've featured him at, at your events in the past. Me. And um yeah, he 
I was sitting with him the other day and he was like, he's been doing this te- yoga teacher training. Um, and he's, for those that know Mickey, he's just, he's a human pretzel. Like he's incredible. And he's old, like, he's almost twice my age and he's like 10 times more flexible. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And um, he's just a G. So in there, one of the things we were talking about was mudras because mudras are like you know for those that don't know what mudras are it's like these postures that you hold for your hand and different energies are channeled spiritually through them it's just like vedic science right now we were talking about how at all times actually your body is a mudra Mm. you know like your body is like actually channeling different types of energy depending on which postures and stuff you're putting them in right and this is obviously yoga and asana and i've just sort of you know gleaned in on one little sliver of wisdom that's dropped in from me between a conversation with mickey but i heard that in what you were saying as well right so it's you know as you start to shift different things start to open up different things start to feel like things start to feel different as well depending on how you're holding yourself because literally we are channeling like there is energy moving through us, right? Like E equals MC squared, we're energy and matter. So, you know, the things shift as we shift. And, yeah, your palpable awareness of um, – and that was one of the big things I've learned from you, um, even early days in my speaking, is like as I shift me, emotionally, the audience shifts emotionally. Like all goosebumps over here. Yeah. <laughs> that's been one of the biggest takeaways I've had from yourself was and the interesting thing is that that gave me like you know (sighs) sorry (laughs) it gave me an incredible amount of permission bro it gave me incredible amount of permission to just show up broken shattered open false mistakes cracked all of it because the realization was if i can show up this way and actually just be okay to be seen in that and some of those parts are actually going to transform through the power of the stage because now that mm. it's being seen it's being lights being shed on it and mm. it's going to trans and it's going to transmute and as it's transmuting for me it's transmuting for the audience as well and we go on that journey together and as the emotional shift happens for me it happens for them which then meant it's okay to rock up however you are faults and all mistakes and all and I know as part of you know I follow you avidly on social media because you're one of the closest people (laughs) online to me as anyway and just, yeah, just, you know, you're talking about, yeah, like there's, you know, there's all these, yeah, like you said, you know, chest up, throat back, you know, like shoulders down. But then, you know, owning that which parts of you are just, I don't want to say faulty, but, you know, in need of a better word, the faulty parts of you that want to show up, you know, like all just you um, and how much permission you give for us to just rock up that way and just be you, do you, own that. Amen, bro. Like recently I was working with a group of, um, uh, it was a group of people learning to facilitate and some of them already were facilitating. And mm. I was, and the woman that brought me in was like, look, the biggest fear is confidence. Like they need mm. confidence. I jumped in and we started talking about this and I was like, what if I told you you don't need confidence? Yeah. Like I just debunked this and I said, confidence is not a prerequisite to be on stage. Mm-hmm. And they were like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what, what's, what comes up now? If I was to tell you to get up and speak now, they're like, what, what comes up if confidence isn't something you need? And they're like, oh, it's just really scary. I'm like, yeah, that's it. 
Like you can be on there, you can be scared and you have to let people into the fear. Like it is fucking scary to stand in front of people. But after you've let them into the fear, that fear is going to move. And mm. what's, what's underneath that, you don't even know yet. Like mm. that, that for me is the magic of the stage. Like it helps us in unraveling the process of becoming more, more human or more, more of who we're here to be. It's so incredible. It's so incredible. I would love to pick the thread in there, bro, because I've got my own thoughts and I, I'm conscious I've left open an open thread on listening and I will come back to that. Um, but <laughs> just pulling at the thread on hand. Confidence. I don't believe in confidence. Mm-hmm. I've completely, for me, it's a myth. Um, and I'll share what I believe and then get your thoughts in on it because I what I've come to realize in certain instances, people say, oh, Amrit's really confident. Like, at, like this is one of the things, Touchwood. People have met me and they're like, oh, Amrit's a confident guy. Yeah. And I remember when I first came along to one of your yoga uh, meditations, uh, meditation satsang yoga type sort of events, we were, we were late actually. And we came halfway through the night. I don't know if you remember this night. And at the yeah. end of it, you shared and we connected. And I was like, bro, I want to be your friend. Do you remember that conversation? I do, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, bro, I want to be your friend. And you're like, what's in there for you that's sparking that? You know, like what what's alive in you that's drawing that? Like, and you're like, I'm more than happy to be your friend. But <laughs> like, what's what's in there that you know is calling this? You know, as you always do, encourage us to sort of unpick the onion, <laughs> really go into the heart of things. And I was like, I don't know. There's just a deep part within me that you know that just knows that just connects to that. And in that moment, man. I wasn't confident to say that. Like that sounded like the dumbest thing to say to anybody, but it was just what was there, right? And that was just what I felt like it was. And there was so much trepidation there. Now, if I said, like, I'm sharing it publicly on a podcast now, but even like a while, if I would have said that to somebody, like, that's not what a confident person says. They just go ahead and start befriending that person and start, you know, like, hey, dude, I'd love to catch up with for your coffee and we'll go, you know, and I let's be friends. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. What? You know? And so it's interesting because in certain situations, and let's pack this into a different context. Like I'll go into a, um, like a boardroom meeting and oftentimes I'll just sit there when it's the first time I'm in that meeting. Yeah. I'll just sit there and I'll just absorb information. And to the point where in the past people have been like, Oh, like, thanks for your contribution. Ha ha. And I, and I just laughed and I was like, Oh, it's just enjoying listening. Right. And then in some instances, if I've been in that forum multiple times, then I walk in and I take some information, then I'm sharing information. It's like, bang, bang, bang. This is what we need to do. This is how we're going to approach it. It's all good. Da, 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 let's go. Mm-hmm. And then in that instance, I come across as super confident. Now, interestingly, I come across as super confident and I look at the two different individuals. It's the same person. It's me. In one instance, I'm confident. In another one, I'm not or perceived as not. And for me, the truth was actually confidence is a myth. It's about clarity for me. In certain instances, I'm clear, in which instance I come across as confident because I'm clear, and there's other instances where I'm not clear, so I come across as in, like unconfident. But it's actually at a heart. It's clarity was my realisation. People either have clarity or they don't have clarity, which is totally fine, and I like that because clarity is something I can develop. Some Clarity is something I can work with. Confidence seems to be like hot air in the balloon. Whereas as an mm. engineer, I feel like clarity is actually all the bits and parts, like the gas and the, and the fabric of the balloon and the actual wicker basket. How does this all come together? 
that's kind of my awareness on on clarity on confidence and I sort of debunk the myth on confidence a little bit what are your thoughts what do you feel about confidence because a lot of people you know mastering public speaking that's really what's bringing them you know in many ways right yeah completely and I, I like the piece you bring around clarity I've never looked at it in that way I guess I've never had such a value on clarity for me clarity even clarity has been something like I'll just learn it as I go along mm-hmm. and in the instance of sharing it like that makes a lot of sense I can see how having the clarity um not that it provides the confidence but it just it just makes it really clear what you're there for like what you're bringing to to the table um I feel for me confidence is just like being able to reflect on something and say, I did that or I can do that. And you can't have confidence before, before the event. You can only have it afterwards. Like confidence only comes as a result of doing it. Not, you, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's, it's unnecessary words to keep saying that more, but I, I feel as well, the, for me, the piece is around safety. It's like, if I don't have confidence or I don't have this idea of confidence, which is really just an idea. Like confidence is not a real thing. It's, it's a construct. Mm. Can I have the safety? And I mean, safety is a construct too, but it's one that's a bit easier to engage with. Because I find when, I, when I'm working with people that haven't spent much time on the stage, it's more about I'm setting the platform of safety for them to feel safe on stage. And I think a part of that is comes from connection. Like they're resourcing from my nervous system and being like, oh, this is safe. Like he's mm-hmm. holding me and supporting me for this experience. Mm-hmm. And then when their mind reflects on that, it's like, oh, I survived that and it's safe. And, you know, I also say I don't recommend doing this. If it's like a $10,000 keynote, you're not there to practice feeling safe on stage. Like <laughs> you failed that part, you're doing something else now. But at the same time, it's like you have to start with where you are and you have to be real with that. That's this like authenticity part of like, okay, can I bring my fear forth and let that be seen as opposed to trying to hide that with technique. And then the next thing might be, you know, whatever it is that, that shows up after that. Mm. Wow, I love that. We've sort of tapped into confidence is simultaneously safety and clarity. Interesting conversation. Mm. I really appreciate that. I really love your thoughts on safety because, yeah, yeah, I feel like that for me is, yeah, I feel safe and I feel clear. For me, maybe clarity and say, yeah, interesting. I'll unpack that further after this conversation for myself. So you mentioned he's holding me as a piece just then, um, you know, and I feel safe and I can go there. So I'm just going to start sharing a little bit around what my awareness on listening became after a while is, you know, this podcast has been an absolute godsend for me, like an absolute godsend. Um, I love, you know, as I say, some people love the sound of their own voice and the risk of sounding completely narcissistic. I love talking. I just, I don't know. It's just, I do it. It's me. I love, like, I just love conversation. Even back in, school days prior the first time I ever got in trouble in school in reception it was because kids would like I was holding kids back from going back to class because I was sitting there telling them stories in the sandpit <laughs> just, I've, been, I've been a talker right for since before I can remember it's the first thing I got into trouble for at school um but then this podcast has really taught me the the two-way art of of communication just how important listening is like even listening to you and you know giving a person enough space to you know come in and breathe say their piece breathe and then for me to jump in and sometimes the energy is just like boom, 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 jump in there make a point they'll go on a tangent but that's okay you know and learning to listen to the conversation the dialogue 
And that has become an incredible thing when I take that skill and I realize when I go out on stage for me, I've hacked my little hack for the stage in public speaking has been that because one of my strengths is conversation, I just lean into conversation with an audience. I don't really try to, there's obviously the talk that's, you know, part of the content there, but rather than, and that feels so stale when I try to go and do the talk, but when I go in with, okay, that's the talk and let's have a chat to the audience and see, you know, how Mm -hmm. we can unpack that talk with the conversation that we can have with the audience, because when we're there, then, you know, you can sort of see in people's faces, right? When things are landing, when they're not, you know, when they're, when they light up, you know, when it's like, okay, I can actually listen for the feedback Mm -hmm. and actually listen to the audience. And it sounds bizarre because they're not talking to me, but like you said, like 80% or something, like you said, was nonverbal communication. And you can actually, if you dial in, it's, it's right there. Like, and it's a it's an amazing advantage that you have from the stage. You can literally see everybody, right? You just have to cast your glaze across the room, and you're now listening to what, like whether they're following along with the ideas or whether they're not. And it's like, okay, you guys aren't getting it. All right, let's go back. All right, oh, you guys are really getting this. Oh my god, this you know this whole ten hour seminar is going to go for thirty minutes. You know, and then they laugh and they giggle, and then it's like you're boom, you're like in that report, and so it's a conversation, and that's what I've had to find that for me it's. Yeah, the the listening to the audience piece I find is mm. just been something that I haven't really heard like other people sort of share as an experience. But for me, it's just conversation and dialogue with an audience is public speaking for me. Yeah, I, amen, man. I I love that um, and spot on. Like you know, this morning I was working for a group of my students. And I was saying the same thing. I'm like, you're you're not boring. Like we have this fear of being boring on stage. It's like people might be disengaging. But if you're okay with that and you're okay with seeing that they're disengaging, you can just kind of call that and be like, hey, you guys seem to be dropping out. What's going on for you? You know, mm-hmm. or, you know, it's like in in just seeing it from a place of presence and not from a place of making it about you, it just lets you kind of move the whole room to somewhere where it's engaging for everyone. I yeah. mean, depending on the size of the room and what they're there for, that's, that's mm-hmm. a different conversation. But like you said, it's like talk, for me, the metaphor I use, if you wouldn't do it when you're having a coffee with a friend, you probably shouldn't do it on stage. You're not going to memorize 90 minutes of content and speak. <laughs> at your friend, you know? You're going to check in. Are they following along? Is this interesting? All right, cool. Let's, you know, let's keep going. That's not yeah. a conclusive rule, but you know, I, I find it's a helpful good one. Yeah. Am I in connection with the person I'm speaking to, or in this case, the whole room I'm speaking to? Yeah. You touched on this earlier as well, bro. And when I'm going to coffee with my friends, I'm talking about stuff that inspires me. Yeah, I'm always talking about stuff that inspires with me or I'm checking in with them to see how they're going, yeah, or I'm talking about stuff like, you know, stuff that's inspiring me. And obviously I'm biased on Mr. Inspired Evolution in some ways, but I'm sure we all do that to some degree. You know, how's your family going? How are your friends going? Okay, you know, what's inspiring? What's new in your world? You know, what's next? Um, yeah, how important, and you touched on this a little bit earlier before, is that how important is it for us to be inspired by what we're sharing rather than for it to be inspiring for the audience? Mm, I think it's a combination of both, you know, mm. and I feel like this is, <clears throat> it's like, as you go along this path, you find certain audiences are going to bring out more brilliance out of you. 
mm. like more more shiny juicy stuff like if you're speaking to an audience that loves the stuff you're speaking about you're just going to find yourself saying stuff you've never said before if you're mm. open to meeting and connection if you've memorized your talk you don't allow for this there's no magic that can happen mm-hmm. um, and this is kind of what i love about it it's like the more you speak and you just you get the clarity to discover your message and what you're here to bring the more you find audiences that want to hear that thing and then mm. it's like this beautiful symphony that just pours out between the two of you yeah um but yeah, you know, it's like I, I've trained people to work in law and I'm like, look, I don't get your subject. Like I can teach you to deliver and be more present and influence your people. But I'm like, I can't bring that subject through passion. Mm. You know, I, I don't have the on switch for it. And for yeah. some people, they do. You know? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> this joke went off in my head. I'm, I've turned into a dad. So I've got these dad jokes. Running <laughs> <in my head. laughs> Just like going to meet them. It was like, yeah, I don't. I don't want to help you with your content. I've got parking fines that are still pissing me off. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Completely not relevant to this. Just for a moment. <laughs> I'm obviously working on them. Um, yeah, okay, so... take I'll save this one for later. <laughs> I want to go into a little bit around, yeah, just to sort of loosen, like we're in the depths of the conversation right now. And I just want to sort of, yeah, you know, you mentioned training and speaking. And I want to talk a little bit about developing into, um, yeah, learning, like people's journey as they learn to become public speakers. First of all, you know, is it for everybody or is it take a certain type of person or are they hungry for a particular type of thing, do you find? Like who is public speaking for? Oh, look, from where I'm sitting, I'd say it's, it's almost for everyone. Like not maybe not to become a speaker or a professional speaker or do this for work and life, but I think everyone should have the experience of being on stage and finding a sense of safety on stage. Um, uh, let me, I'm, I'm going to give you a bit of a longer answer here. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to quote Steve Martin because he keeps coming up. In his masterclass, he talks about how introverts tend to make the best comedians. And there's, there's, a, there's a sense of magic there. It's like so much has been repressed inside them that they haven't had the opportunity to speak that when mm. they do have the opportunity, it's like, you know, they're, they're not used to taking up the space space like that. So there's a sense of intrigue and magic that comes along with that. That's not my work, not his. Um, and there was a talk somewhere online. It was like one of those Toastmasters winning talks about how introverts make the best public speakers. And I can't remember the intention, but it was essentially also this piece around um, because they're natural listeners, they're listening to the audience a lot more than extroverts. Extroverts, the natural pattern is it's all about me. Yeah. <laughs> Dope. I love that. Yeah, I find that so present in my own life because I'm – so we did the Myers-Briggs, which is not – the fact that you can channel entire humanity into 16 different personalities, 16 different masks is – because that's the etymology of the word personality is complete bullshit in some ways, but also very useful in completely other ways. Um, so holding that duality in mind, um, my wife is like on the Myers-Briggs, she's like 96% introverted and I'm probably oversharing, but I'm 94% extroverted. So like <laughs> – we're wow. like at the opposite ends of the spectrum of introvert and extrovert. And so I'll be talking, 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 da 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 listening, talking, <laughs> talking, talking, da 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 And then every now and then she'll just be like, so basically, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, I love it. And then it's like just fucking mic drop. <laughs> it's just like, oh, 
wow, you're so wise. <laughs> and then over time I've sort of cut, learned to cut myself some slacks. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why doesn't she just do it? And I realised she's doing it on the inside. She's maturing those ideas. She's nurturing them on the inside. Like you said, you know, you sharing with your partner, I'm just going to voice this to sort of see if this is true for me right now. Mm-hmm. I'm doing that on the outside. So I'm like maturing my thoughts by externalising them and talking. And it's been a game changer for me since I started realising this because it gave me permission to talk to myself. No, it sounds crazy. And people say, you know, and like people find me talking to myself all the time. And uh, I don't really respond to myself. I'm told that's like the first sign of cracks appearing. <laughs> but yeah, and the, the punchline of the joke is when people find me talking to myself, I'm like, oh yeah, fine, it keeps me sane. Because <laughs> 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 it's what they say, it's the first sign of insanity is when you're talking to yourself. But like actually just sitting there and going, okay, so I've got to do this and I've got to do that. All right, cool. And then maybe I should do this in that order. All right, cool, I'll do it in that order. Yep, sweet. And I find just externalizing my thoughts helps me get clearer on how I'm doing it. Now I've gotten really comfortable with it. Um, but that, you know, how we have these old like colloquial sort of s- s- like simmering in society that sort of then keep us, oh, yeah, talk, if you talk to yourself, you're crazy. <laughs> it's like. You know, there's, there's a storyteller I spoke to ages ago when I was first getting started with this. And I was like, how do, how do you become a storyteller? Like what do you, what's the, you know, what's the initiation you go through so you can say I'm now a storyteller? Yeah. And he's like, oh, you you start telling stories, you know, there's no, no complex thing here. You don't need a degree. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, so what, tell me a bit about, you know, the process you go through. And he was a remarkable storyteller. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, one of the practices I do is I'll go for walks and I'll tell the story to myself. Mm-hmm. And he's like, as I'm walking and telling the story to myself, he's like, it's going to open up the way I tell it is going to change the way nature influences me telling it. He's like, every time I'm telling it, I'm listening to it as if it's the first time I'm listening to it. And it's just really, you know, it's the same idea you're talking about. And it's not just in your head. It's like you're actually talking through the story so you can hear and let the story come to life for you. And I think it's the same for our thoughts. It's like when the thoughts sure. are always in here, it's like something different happens when we let them come through. It's like the, the effect of the body and our tonality has its influence with what we're saying, which, you know, it's, it's, it's magic. Yeah. <laughs> like it literally is magic. You, you, for me, when people start speaking, it's like they're weaving a, an invisible tapestry through the room that affects everyone around them. Yeah. Seeing as we're on the topic of magic and we just left off the topic of introverts, generally, and I'm gross generalisation, I'm aware of this, but do you find that because the intro, like an introvert is usually a bit more reserved, there's a little bit more, I wonder how this is going to land with people and then they when they start to share their content is so well refined because they've ruminated on it themselves that people do really get it and then the emotional transformation that they go through being received in that space from like fearful to like accepted um is what makes them so riveting in some ways as well Mm. There was something else I wanted to add. I feel like what you said about you and Kay, and even when we take personalities out of it, mm. it's like both can be amazing public speakers. I find the difference is are they willing to take the journey? Like if an extrovert just thinks out how amazing they are, like that, that's, you know, it's like here's a gold star, good on you. But, <laughs> Thanks, bro. Like it's about you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really feel included. I feel for yeah. it's really like cultivating this piece you've been speaking to, yeah. the presence to be able to listen and meet the audience because then you're going on an, an adventure together. And mm-hmm. for introverts, it's the opposite. It's like, good, I, I can know and I can see, but can I communicate and express? Like that's that kind of, and I feel like it's, 
you know, can anyone do it? It's like, yeah, if we're willing to take the journey and that journey isn't necessarily about public speaking, it's about life. What you do on stage starts influencing all parts of your life. Yeah. But that's really the piece I wanted to touch on. It's like people go to me, you know, I kind of want to work with you, but I don't want to be a public speaker. I'm like, speaking is what you're doing your whole life. Like every opportunity, every job, sexuality, relating, everything you have in your life has come down to whether you've had the courage to say the words or not. And I love that story you shared with me before. I'm like, I know I've been the guy asking people to be friends as well. And it's scary. And look now, like, you know, that, that would have been maybe even 10 years ago or something. Yeah. And like, we're still, you know, in connection and friendship 10 years later, even though I don't see you as often as I'd like to anymore. Yeah. Um, we live in different states and all that kind of stuff now. But yeah, it's this sense of like, if we're willing to have the courage to bring that inner world forth, it's like it has the influence to touch and for life to respond to us. Mm. And for me, there is no like bad response. It's a response is just information. It's like, oh, I, I now know I can say something like that. And next time I might approach it in a different way. Thank you so much for sharing that, bro. Why don't we learn this stuff in school when it's something we're doing all the time? Our teachers are holding out on us. <laughs> it's just not a curriculum. It's just not a curriculum. Like speaking, it's like, yeah, but even writing is not a, really a curriculum. English is a subject. You don't really, you know, you learn to, you don't really learn to like how to construct your thoughts in a journaling exercise. You know, it's, I find speaking is not, it's just not something we're taught. Um, you can join the debate class. You can join the drama club. Um, but there's not really a school dedicated to something as fundamental as speaking. And, you know, you and I could probably nerd out on why we don't teach breathing then, <laughs> which is something even more primordial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, let's throw sales in there as well. For me, sales is like basic, you know, can I understand someone's values? Like why? Why is that not taught? But anyway, we're we're on a different conversation here, which we can was, keep going down. That if was you want. a quick little tangent that I was going to take was influence. Like people mm. often take it speak, think about speaking, and influence has this real. Um, it's got toxic baggage attached to the mm. word. Um, as does sales, actually, um, and I find influence is. I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a coach. I, I don't look at it with any sort of toxicity. Um, for me, it's, you know, you're at a situation and you're trying to get to D destination, you know, there needs to be some sort of levers to sort of get you from A to D, yeah? How do I influence you to get there, right? And it's, it's really clear, like a clean sort of approach. But I find when I have this conversation with other people, they're like influence, ooh. And it's like, why is influence? Ooh, like, what's the, what's the toxic baggage with influence? Like, you know, we're using our communication to get from. This a whole podcast is designed. I'm hoping to influence people to live a better life. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, and I don't. You know, uh, there's nothing snarky about that. Um, but I guess people are used to people manipulating others and they confuse in manipulation with influence. Can we talk about, yeah, just your awareness of influence and that potentially leads into sales as well. You know, it's much yeah, the same. Really. Yeah. So I'd probably say we're always influencing whether we like it or not. You put a person in a room, even if they're not speaking, they're going to influence everyone else in the room. Mm. And I feel there's a sense of destigmatizing the amount of influence we always have, whether we like it or not. Mm -hmm. And I think the second thing is probably a question of power. 
It's like, are you actually willing to be responsible with the influence you're having? Mm. And for me, that's really working with the stage. Like, I mean, the, the, the stage, we're not talking about a little box that you stand on. The stage is just being listened to by many people at once. You know, Zoom call meeting, um, telling a story at a party. They're all examples of the stage. The, the party thing's a bit different. But for me, it's really like your voice being amplified. You are having more influence. And are you willing to trust yourself with the influence you are having? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then that, I think, brings it back to that piece you came you first started with it's like how much of that leadership can we allow to come from the heart and that that doesn't mean the heart doesn't make mistakes but i mean there's a sense of humility of like can i keep allowing a greater grace than just myself to um, support my decision making and my words and what i'm here to do as opposed to you know me driving off my mind of this is what needs to happen that's my my best relationship to it i love it this is it yeah, you've spoken to the balance between responsibility and surrender in there as well. Yeah, I really love that. I really love that. Going back to the development as a speaker, one of the other little trippy things that I've done, which I find is really bizarre, and like I was talking about why we're not taught it in school. So when I started my, you know, because it went from podcaster to coach and then from coach to speaker, and then now all three are alive and well and ticking in this ecosystem, Touchwood, which I absolutely for me, it's connection, right? And communication facilitates connection. So whether I'm talking on a podcast, I'm happy. Whether I'm coaching, I'm happy. Whether it's, you know, public speaking, I'm happy. So it's all part of my fulfillment, right? Um, touch wood. Now, one of the things I find is when I speak to people about, they're like, okay, you became a speaker. Like, how did you go about this? Rah, rah, rah. How did this go for you? And the thing that I find it really the only real difference between me starting out and other people starting out, I find the only difference. Yeah, really. Um, despite, you know, the podcast and, you know, having coached people because everybody's got some sort of context that's bringing them to speak. Right. So they've got something to draw upon. That was just what I was drawing upon Touchwood, I believe is when I tell people that when I first started public speaking, I was like, someone was like, oh, you know, come give a talk here and it's going to be, you know, it's going to cost you $1,500. And I was like, yep. And then come speak here, it'll cost you $500. And it's like, yep. And people go, but you're the speaker. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you paying them to be on their stage? I was like, well, because I've never spoken to 6,000 people before. To spend $1,500 to speak to 6,000 people is I spent like $60,000 on an engineering degree that I don't really use. I can mm. spend $1,500 on a, on a speaking engagement that's going to actually teach me something that I'm actually using in my career. Like why? I, I, I Just that... That level of like, I just find that is so, for me, it was just like a, it was a no brainer. It's like, I'm willing to invest in my education by showing up on these stages and practical, like maybe that's the engineering means I've always learned like, okay, concrete breaks when when you literally load it and it goes bang and you're like, shit, right? So, and so for me, it was like, I'll put myself in in that position, we'll go out in front of a stage of 6,000 people and see if we go bang or what happens, you know? Um, But that was the, that was the, that was the, the thing that I find is a conversation I find myself having again and again and again and again and again and again with budding speakers is the expectation to, okay, now 
I'm branded and my LinkedIn profile says I'm a speaker. My Facebook profile says I'm a speaker. My Instagram profile says I'm a speaker. And uh, where are my opportunities and people now need to start paying me? And it's like, mm, how much have you invested in your education towards becoming a speaker? To the point where, you know, I just like, I'm, I'm, I was paying to speak on stages. And then that has, that ROI has come back tenfold. Like, Definitely. But the first two years of doing that was absolutely like there was an investment to being on a particular stage. And generally I would just go, is this an audience larger than I've ever spoken to before? And if the answer is yes, then it's like learning how to hold with a big part of the conversation listening that we've been talking about today, hold that audience's attention would be invaluable to learn that skill in the practical. I'm happy to pay to be there. Boom, let's do it. Do you, like, what are your thoughts? Like, am I just crazy? Have you done something like that? Um, like, um, it's like, well, can you, can you unpack that? Backtrack. I'd say you probably have two main ways of, of making money as a speaker. One mm-hmm. of them is as a keynoter, which is where you're paid to come and speak. Mm-hmm. Different, you could call it different things, but essentially it's keynoting. Um, and that's like, you know, you're getting paid for your time. If you're spending an hour on stage, you're going to have a fee. They're going to pay you X amount. The second one is you can call it platform speaking. You could call it speak to sell, but it's essentially where you're not paying or you're actually paying to get on a specific stage. Mm. Um, And often some of these bigger stages you see, like if they're flying down, you know, Tony Robbins or maybe Richard Branson or some of these very high well-known speakers, they're the ones that usually, maybe not with Tony, but with Branson and Schwarzenegger and stuff like that, they're usually going to be the keynoter. They're going to get paid a flat fee. Every other speaker on that lineup, and I'm not saying this conclusively with those events, but yep, it's generally yep, yep. how the model works, is every other speaker is probably paying a hefty amount to be on that stage. Mm. And sometimes the usual go rate is about 50%. So anything mm. they sell at the end, the, the promoter keeps 50% of that. Mm-hmm. And there's like there's this lack of understanding between people starting out what they think the industry looks like and what it actually mm. looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference is, even with those events, if you're someone that's speaking to sell, you could make a lot more money in the same amount of time than a keynote can. Mm. Like if you're selling a program that's, you know, let's say $5,000 and you have a hundred people in the room to buy that. And that's, you know, if there's 10,000 people in the room, that's not that much. Mm. You've suddenly got a lot of money in a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And that's where there's real opportunity. And the other thing I also say to people is like, that we, if we take this to like early days, um, you might speak today and in a year or two from now, you might have a solid coaching business and someone is going to come to you and say, hey, I want to work with you. I saw you speak at this tiny little event X amount of time ago. That's where it's invaluable. Like mm-hmm. that $1,500 to get in front of 6,000 people, that's nothing. Yeah. Um, and even if you can't do, like some stages are like, no, you can't sell on the spot. It's like, okay, but there is a way to build a relationship with people where they're like, they, they will look you up and they do want to continue their education with whatever you offer them. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Thank you so much for sharing your insights in the industry in that space as well and how those two different spaces hold themselves. I think it's really powerful to know that, okay, this is keynote speaking and this is platforms designed to feature speakers and the sort of incentives behind that. Yeah, and I'm just going to throw in one little bit here. Like th- there was a time when I was, let's say, teaching, I was teaching photography at Swinburne years ago mm. and I invited uh, a friend along to come and sh- she was a good photographer and I invite, she was an amazing photographer and I invited her to come along and speak. And she was like, Oh, look, I'm kind of getting away from speaking and I'm going more in, I'm getting away from photography and I'm going more into this other thing, uh, more like a personal brand. Mm. And I was like, all right, cool. Like for me, it didn't really make a difference. Like I'm there one way or another, but there was just this sense of like moving away from the idea of time for money and what mm. it means as a speaker to be able to say, Hey, I've spoken at Swinburne university and I've presented here. 
Mm. Like being able to hold that as a point of credibility is far more valuable than a thousand dollars compared to being a new speaker and you haven't spoken anywhere and you're trying to get yourself on a stage. So sometimes it's about finding these um, unique opportunities just with the people you know to get yourself onto stages and to be able to say, hey, I've spoken at a bunch of places, you know, small audiences, big ones. If you do have corporate friends, that really helps as well. That's um, helped me you know, infinitely, <laughs> like infinitely. Yeah, like when I jump on my website and, you know, this is just keep being in the essence of transparency. It's like you go to my website and there's all these organisations that, you know, I've spoken to and you realise a lot of them are engineering organisations because I've, I've been there and I leverage my human connections to come give a talk, yeah, and sometimes it was free of charge, yeah, um, just for the ability to have that on the website and go, boom, like I came and I gave a talk at this really well, you know, renowned organization, you know, and that builds the social proof and the credibility behind, hey, like he can. And the truth is, yeah, I can give a talk to that audience. They received it well, right? And in the future, when I go looking for paying opportunities, they exist. Exactly. I mean, I always think of, um, what's his name, four-hour work week, man, um, Tim Ferriss. Oh, Tim Ferriss, yeah. I'm pretty sure I read this in his book, but his start to his speaking career, he basically went to all the local universities. He said, look, I'll come and give a free talk on XYZ. He did it. Um, then he just put all of those local university logos on his website. Like these are all the places I've spoken at. And it's like he did his credibility, you know, in the click Done. of the finger. But this still comes to speaking. Like you've got to have the courage to go to, to meet these decision Have that makers. chat. Yeah, yeah, and have that exactly, chat. Yeah, <laughs> like it still comes down to speaking. <laughs> I'm visualizing the babushka dolls of the amount of different <laughs> levels of speaking that we have to do. Oh, bro. I could talk about speaking. I could literally talk to you forever, <laughs> as always. But the podcast must come to a wrap. Brother, I have to just ask you one little question before, and probably not that little a question, but the how did you know, like, lastly, that speaking was a thing that you love speaking about the most? Because I think when people are like, some people are aware that they're speakers, but then they're looking for that, you know, that, well, what is my content? What is that little piece of content? And I know content development is a whole art into itself, but I think knowing you on an intimate level, the aliveness that speaking <laughs> has for you is unparalleled. Um, how did you know that that was what was most alive for you? And was it the aliveness of the content that made you adopt that, hey, speaking about speaking is a thing for me? Uh, yeah, twofold. The aliveness, like for me, aliveness is everything. And what I'm mm-hmm. teaching people on stage is just to find, to find the capacity to listen to the aliveness. Um, whenever I would teach people speaking, or present on it or run workshops on it, I was just so fucking alive. I was like, mm. this is just what I'm here for. Like, I don't have to think about this. Um, I found I had a lot more access to information that, was, that wasn't available to other people. Like things that were just black and white to me, other people couldn't even see. That's why somewhere in my book, there's a tagline that says like, teaching you to discover the unseen world of communication. Mm. Um, and then I think the third part is, people just kept asking me for it. They're like, I don't want to learn public speaking. I want to learn what it is you're doing because other people aren't doing that. And I think after I heard, I mean, the first time I heard it, it just sent goosebumps through me. And I was like, all right, there's something in this. And then as people kept saying it, part of me was like, oh, this is my special thing. And (laughs) it's this special thing that I'm here to give to the world. You know, that's what what we look for. Was there any resistance in sharing the special thing? No, not in sharing it. There was a resistance towards like speaking is one of the most highly profitable skill sets in the world. 
And usually anything, the less people there is that can do it and are willing to do it, the, the higher paid it is. Mm. And I was aware from a long time ago, I was like, I'm sitting on a wealth of information here and I don't have the marketing and branding experience right now to position myself in a way where I would be able to sell this for the price that I feel it's worth. Mm, mm. And that, that took me years to get to that stage to be like, all right, now, now I've, I've kind of developed a brand and something that I'm willing to stand behind. That's going to put this into the world and not just be like running little workshops in my city. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if I was, to, if I was just to quantify that as well, that was just the fear of being seen as well. Like letting your work become a brand that's bigger than you is scarier than just running, you know, little things in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where's love, bro? I've obviously got to thank you for this podcast. <laughs> but it seems, um, seems, what does it seem? Seems foolish, seems redundant. <laughs> there is so much um, gratitude in my being not just for the conversation we're having today, but, you know, the conversations you and I have had again and again um, in such ways and, you know, not just on public speaking and how to refine it and how to bring it to life, but, you know, just cultivating aliveness within one another as well, you know, that, you know, that essence. Um, And obviously thank you so much for the work you continue to do on yourself regularly to show up so that we can have this really robustly informed conversation and you know for those tuning in I know you've got goosebumps there's a quality to this conversation that you know like I've got them now it's like there's just an aliveness in this conversation Touchwood, which you foster and cultivate so effortlessly Miroslav and the book is called give yeah uh, give them goosebumps please do check it out I'll put a link to it in the show notes below and uh brother on behalf of myself and the inspired evolution audience wishing you all the best man Thank you, bro. So beautiful, yeah, being with you, and um, it's always always such a pleasure to to connect in with you again. Lots of blessings. Thank you so much for tuning into this amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. Without you, the Inspired Evolution tribe, this podcast would not be what it is today. Thank you so much for your love and your support. Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so please subscribe to the inspired evolution on youtube the home of the inspired evolutions video podcast we release inspiring conversations such as this every week along with guided meditations and empowering insights all designed to help you grow and evolve honestly your subscription on youtube to the channel helps us out a great deal And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, Tribe, remember to stay inspired and keep evolving. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.